Right. Matthew chapter 18 tonight. And notice what it says in verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of, of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And I want you to notice in this passage, we have basically an outline and a diagram for how you should um, reconcile with people or deal with people who trespass against you. And let me just say that what is laid out here is good, it's right, it's just. If you follow this process, you are not sinning, you are not doing anything wrong. Okay? But I also want you to notice that in verse 21, it goes on to say, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not in the until seven times, but until seventy times seven. So right after that, we see where Jesus basically is telling Peter, just forgive and forgive and forgive over and over and over again. And then he goes on, we're not going to read it again, but he goes of the parable of the man who was forgiven a great debt. And then he is refusing to forgive a small debt. So keep all that in mind as we go through this passage. And I think what Jesus is basically saying right here, there is a proper way for you to try to get things made right when you are wrong. However, while it is not wrong for you to do that, just keep in mind that we ought to be forgiving and just keep in mind how you've been forgiven. And just, you know, I, I, you know, I, I don't think God just wants us out there righting every wrong that there is. Sometimes He just wants us to let things go. Now listen, if you just have to have something made right, you're not wrong in doing that if you follow the process. But at the same time too, uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself. It's okay to sometimes just let some things go. But what I want to do tonight, I want to talk about common sins of the offended. I'm hoping I can get all this done in one message tonight, but I've got a lot I want to cover. But something we need to understand, as sinful people, and we are all sinful, as people who live in a world full of people who are also sinful, we often have to deal with problems that come not only from our sins, but the sins of other people. And so something that we all just have to come to grips with. Okay? I know we live in a culture where we celebrate victims and everybody wants to be victims and people are jealous if they're not a victim. Okay? But at the same time, you know, we just need to come to grips with the fact you are going to be sinned against. I promise. And it's not right, but it's what happens when you get more than one human being in the room. Okay? It's just going to happen. And when we are sinned against, something that we often want to do and something we often end up doing is we respond to sin with sin. And that's not right. You never make sin better by committing another sin to try to fix it. And typically, when people are sinned against, the natural reaction is going to be to sin back. But typically, we sin back even worse. 
You know, and the way vengeance typically works, it's not usually an eye for an eye, which is actually just, but typically we want two eyes for our eye. Isn't that how we typically do things? You know, when your kids, when you're, you know, when one of your boys hits one of your, one of his brothers, does the other brother try to make sure he gives him an equal hit back? Or does he want to hit him back even harder? That's typically how things work. That's how vengeance works. And it's not right. And, but it's, it's human nature. And so the Bible gives very clear instructions on how to respond when someone sins against you. But not only do most people never follow this process, but by the time they do make an attempt to follow the process, they typically have done so many more wicked, vile sins, it almost seems laughable that they're even bringing up someone else's sins. And so it's like that parable of the man forgiven a great debt. It's like, hey, why are you worried so much about this small debt when you were forgiven this great debt? It's kind of repulsive to see somebody, many people today out there just demanding some tiny little thing be made right when they are guilty of all kinds of greater wrongs. You have people, they'll have one small thing done to them and then they go like all scorched earth on that person and then yet they continue to demand that tiny little thing done to them be made right. And so it would be kind of like me if I, tonight, I'm just being negligent, I'm not paying attention, it's not malicious, but I accidentally run into your car and I leave a dent in it. I should have to make that right. That would be the right thing to do. I was negligent, I was wrong, I wasn't paying attention. But then if you go and because I dented your car, you burn down my house, it would be very off-putting if you were still demanding a week later that I get your dent fixed. And it's just like, Zebra, you dented my car. You should fix that. Okay, you burnt down my house. <laughs> you know, so, it, and that's kind of how we are. Often people will be sinned against. They get angry. They do something way worse. And then they continue talking about the little thing done to them. That is pathetic. That is off-putting. That is revolting. And listen, when you are sinned against and you fail to follow the process that the Bible clearly lays out, and you sin, and you do equal sins, you do worse sins, but then you demand the transgression be done, that was done against you be fixed, let me tell you, nobody's going to take you serious. And we can't get all ultra-focused on the fact someone hurt our feelings while, and then expect everyone to ignore the trail of dead bodies that you left behind as a result of the sin done to you. And so let's talk about this process. Let's go through this, but then talk about what people typically do. Let's just talk about reality. Let's just get real, let's get real and talk about real life situations. Because most, and here's the thing too, most trespasses that are done against us. Okay, when we're talking about Matthew 18, you know, I don't think the type of trespasses we're supposed to be worried about is somebody hurt my feelings. I mean, I think this is talking about like real wrongs being done. But again, most of the, and when it comes to church spats, church fights, it's typically really small things. I mean, I mean, really small things. We talk about offenses, you know, and you have some people that have been offended because they were like, they were like literally violated, you know, sexually assaulted or something like that. You know, that's a big offense right there. That's a huge offense. But you know, then there's somebody else, they stole my seat. We're using the same word, you're offended by that, but I'm sorry, those are two completely different things. Pardon me if we just don't really care 
that somebody stole your seat. And let us deal with this major situation and take care of it. But most of, us, most of the people demanding attention for wrongs done to them, it's really small things. But again, since sin, we ought to be willing to make things right if, if something's wrong. But let's go ahead and go through this process. Because back to Matthew 18, verse 15, it says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. We don't want to, you know, when, often when we're sinned against, we're offended, that can end a relationship. That's what, you know, and you don't want that. You know, we don't, we shouldn't want to be losing friendships and losing brothers, figuratively speaking. We ought to want to keep these things restored. And so the Bible tells us the first thing you need to do is you need to go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. But what do most people do when they are sinned against? They tell everyone except the person that sinned against them. Folks, that's terrible. Hey, look, somebody does something to you. That is wrong. That is terrible. If someone is insensitive, if somebody says something that's really nasty to you, all right, you know, if, if, if one of the ladies in the church says something to one of the other moms and they say something negative about your parenting or something like that, you know, that can really hurt your feelings. That can, I mean, that can really bother somebody. I mean, you know, ladies, it's tough enough raising kids and it's hard to just keep them alive sometimes. But how many moms in here have ever just felt like a terrible mom before? Okay, I mean, I know, I know my wife has. Sometimes you just feel like a terrible mom. And you know, it would be really bad if a lady just came to you and was just like, don't you even watch your kids? You know, what do you do all day? You know, man, that's terrible. People shouldn't say stuff like that. And if, if, if one of the ladies, and you know what? Let's just face it. Sometimes people just, they shoot off their mouth. They don't even think about what they're saying. Okay? Now, how many ladies have probably said stuff like that before? You don't have to raise your hand. And you just weren't really thinking. Sometimes we just let thoughts come out of our mouth that we don't even realize how damaging it can be to somebody. And it's not right. But again, a lot of times it's not with that malicious of an intent. But that's pretty bad. But listen, if somebody does that to you, they were wrong. That will probably bother you. If that bothers you, and if you can't get over it, if you can't get past it, if you need it to be made right, you have to go tell them. But most people, that is not what they do. Did you hear what so-and-so said about me? You, they start telling everybody else about it. That's wrong. When you do that type of thing, you are ruining the opportunity of that being made right. You're ruining the opportunity of that. Not, not, and so now, not only have you gone against the command of Christ in a situation where you were sinned against, now you have gone against the command of Christ and you are committing the sin of gossip. That is a very wicked sin. The Bible says in Leviticus 19, verse 16, Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people, neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. Proverbs eleven thirteen. A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. There are some things we should cover up. Hey, if somebody does something to you, you don't have to go tell everybody about it. And if you care about that person, if somebody sins against me, if I care about that person, Brother Conrad, if he, sin, if he sins against me, if I care about him, then I'm going to want to figure out what I can do to fix things between me and him. And I'm not going to want to hurt him. And if I'm going and I'm telling all the guys in the church, you know what Brother Conrad said about me? I'm going to be making you feel negative thoughts towards him. I'm going to be hurting him. But if I care about him, that's the last thing I'm going to want to do. I'm not going to want people 
to know about that. I'm not going to want to bring up that kind of thing. But if, but if I'm going and I'm bearing that tail to everyone, I'm wrong. Proverbs 11:13, a talebearer, or um, Proverbs 18:8, the words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Boy, I mean, how many you get a warm fuzzy feeling when you find out somebody's been talking negative about you? It's not a, it's not a warm fuzzy feeling. It's, it's wounds. It goes down to the innermost parts of the belly. You get sick. What do you think about that? That's wrong. Well, they shouldn't have said something about me. No, they shouldn't have. But now you're sinning too. You are sinning. Where no wood is, the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. As coals are to burning coals, as wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a talebearer are as wounds. They go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Twice we see that in Proverbs. So just understand... When you have gossip, okay, and a lot of times we think, oh, I'm, I'm just trying to get rid of it, okay, I, I just, I need somebody to help me through this crisis. Well, first off, you need to go tell that person, okay, but again, when you do, when you've got that fire burning, when you have that pain and you go and you hand it to someone else, now you have the pain and they have the pain too. It spreads. Everyone you spread it to, you are damaging everyone when you gossip, when you gossip, you are sinning against the sinner. Did you know it's wrong to sin against the sinner? It's still sin. You, when you gossip, you are sinning against the listener. That listener, I mean, you are sinning against them. They don't need to hear this. You've now put them in a bad position. Now they're going to be thinking negative thoughts. You, you did them wrong. And also when you gossip, you are causing the listener to sin because now they have to carry a burden they shouldn't have to carry. And so again, it multiplies. It's not, well, I just need him to help me with this burden. No, you're still carrying the burden and they're carrying the exact same burden. You just doubled the burden is what you did. That's not right, especially when you have not followed the process. You go to the person between you and them alone and most people haven't got the guts to do that. Most people haven't got the guts to do that. They don't have the character to do that. Most people aren't going to do that too because let's just face it, at the end of the day, most trespasses done against us aren't worth the drama and the pain and the awkwardness of going and telling somebody you sinned against me. That's not fun. I mean, who wants to do that? Hey, who wants to go up to anybody to say, listen, you sinned against me. Well, I'm sorry, what did I do? I was going for that cupcake and you cut in front of me and you took it. Now listen, that's going to hurt anybody's feelings, right? But you know, nobody, no, nobody wants to verbalize that. Nobody, nobody wants to say it because it's petty. But you know what? It's bothering you because you wanted that cupcake really bad. And so you're, you're too weak, you're too lame, and you're too pathetic to just go tell somebody that I'm a greedy hog and it just irks me greatly because I love that cupcake more than I love my friendship with you. you know, and you're, you're, too, you're too pathetic to go... go just be honest and tell them that. So what do you do? You just go telling other people for therapy for yourself. You know, and you see the way they are during fellowship, cut in front of everybody. Man, I was going for the cupcake the other day and they like slap my hand and push me out of the way. And, you know, you make the story way better. And they don't even know that they did it. They, they didn't even realize that they had done that kind of thing. But that's how you see it in your head. That's how you, it's, you've played it over in your mind. And, um, um, and you... 
have greatly increased sin. And, you know, people shouldn't cut in front of people and, like, fight over cupcakes and things like that. But again, you know, I, honestly, as a pastor, I really don't, you know, if somebody cuts in front of you in line, you know, that's a problem I think you two ought to be able to work out. I really hope that doesn't have to get brought to me. I, I, really, I really hope I don't, I, I don't have to get a phone call about something like that. But you know, at the end of the day, too, if you've gone around gossiping to everybody, before you go around gossiping to everybody in church and causing problems in the church and making everybody have hard feelings against each other, you know, I hope you will bring it to me. And then, I can know how, then I'll know how pathetic you are and I can figure out you know, what we can do to straighten you out. But at the same time, you've now committed a way greater sin than somebody cut in front of you in line. If, if you think I'm going to throw somebody out of church for cutting in front of you in line and stealing your cupcake, then I'm definitely going to have to throw you out of the church for being a gossip when you've been going and telling everybody. Because that's a way worse sin. That's way worse. But that's typically what people do. And so those who are sinned against... Now, now pay attention to this part. Okay? Those who are often sinned against, they often fool themselves into thinking that they did go to the person who sinned against them, but often they fail to communicate how hurt they are. Because again, you cut in front of somebody in line, you take the cupcake, and you're like, I wanted that. That's not you confronting them. Okay? No, sometimes we do. We'll, t- we'll tell people things. Hey, you did this to me or whatever. But you know, we're often kind of clueless with things. And, and, and you know, we have to do what's necessary to communicate how hurt we are. And just say, listen, you got to get their attention and say, no, you hurt my feelings. I'm angry. I'm very upset. I'm thinking about telling the pastor. I'm thinking about getting two or three witnesses together. You know, I mean, you know, you've got to let people know. But often we do. We'll just kind of like drop hints that you did something. That's what most people do, ladies and gentlemen. They drop these subtle little hints and people aren't going to get it. And then they're like, I, I did the first part. I did the first part. I went to them. I told them what they did to me. But no, you didn't really communicate how hurt you were. And so sometimes, you know, the things that upset us, they seem like nothing to others. And so you've got to make sure you, you communicate right. And that's why there is a second part to the process. That's why if they neglect to hear... Okay? And again, because maybe you just didn't get their attention. Maybe you didn't communicate it properly. Maybe they're just being stubborn. But just to be sure, let's go get some witnesses. Okay? And I recommend before you ever do the dramatic part of getting the two or three witnesses together, that you tell the person, listen, we need to get this right because I have to have this right. And I'm going to get the two or three witnesses. You know, that, that's a good way to let somebody know, hey, I'm really serious about this. But again, I'm telling you right now, I know most of the scenarios y'all are thinking in your mind, you're like, I'm not getting the two or three witnesses because you know it's that petty. And if it's so petty that you're embarrassed to get two or three witnesses, you know what? Don't gossip about it. Just drop it. Just drop it. You're allowed to do that. You're allowed to just forgive. Let me keep doing it. 70 times 7. You're allowed to do that. But if it is, if it's so bad that you need to do something you know, then get the two or three witnesses. Do what the Bible said to do. Nobody said this is going to be easy. Nobody said it's going to be comfortable. Because again, too, a lot of times when we try to communicate things with people, and we tell them how they, how they wronged us, you know, they often, we, we downplay these things in our mind. Nobody wants to think of themselves as a villain. Nobody sees themselves that way. So we downplay these things in our mind. 
You know, maybe too, we just hope people will let it go. And so if you're not satisfied with someone's response when confronted, then you need to let them know or go to step two of the process. And unless someone is really foolish, they're definitely not going to want to go to the final process where it gets brought before the church. They're not going to want to do that. And so, and they're not even going to want to do the second part if they really realize somebody's very serious about how they were wrong. And so most people though, most people when they are wrong, they're just mad, they're vindictive, they're angry, they're hurt. And so they often use very cowardly and very manipulative ways of confronting the people they're offended by. And let me tell you, if you use these methods, you should never, ever expect anything to be made right. Okay, and, and I'm just going to tell you some things. People often do this with me. And I have, I, listen, I, I, I promise you, I don't want to offend people. I probably worry too much about offending people. But I will tell you this right now. You go to this church for any length of time, I am a human being. There will be misunderstandings. I might make mistakes. I might get in the flesh. There will be times where you probably feel like you were wronged by me and may very well be wronged by me. And I just want to make a promise to everyone. I think I'm thinking about making this sermon required listening for anyone who comes to this church in the future. I'm just going to tell you right now, if you use these methods with me, I promise nothing will ever be made right. But these are, this is typically what I get. Okay? And that is the silent treatment. Okay? If you give me the silent treatment, you know, I don't, I'm not always going to know. Sometimes I don't know what I did. You know, it, sometimes people don't know what they did wrong. Give me the silent treatment. You know, let us start missing church, hoping I'll just show up. Hey, what's, what's the matter? What's wrong? You know, what did I do? You know, and then you can unload. No, listen, sometimes people just get backslidden and miss church. I don't, you know, I'm not always just going to assume I did something wrong. If people, if I wrong somebody, they ought to have the character to come and confront me about it and tell me about it. And I'm not the, just, if you just start missing church, start having a bad attitude, start telling everyone else in the church what they're mad about, hoping I will hear from them and they will relay the information to me and then come crawling to you with an apology. Folks, it's not going to happen. That's, that's not how you do things. Try to relay information through my wife or kids. That's not cool, folks. People try doing that sometimes. That's not cool. You do that kind of thing, I'm just going to think you're probably wicked and evil and in the wrong. Don't try doing that kind of thing. You know, you ought to come to me trying to relay things to other church members, vague booking, vague social media posts that I'm supposed to decode. I've seen it before. People, they'll start posting these things like, you know, how they got hurt and manipulated and narcissism and all this stuff. And it's just like, you know, what does this even mean? And, you know, and everybody always wonders. You know, it's like, yeah, did you see that post? I, yeah, I don't, I don't know what that means. Is that against me? I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, they'll do those passive-aggressive social media posts and stuff. Listen, folks, if you're using manipulative tactics like that, I'm just going to think you're a wicked or a coward, or both. And, I, you know, the problem is, too, when people usually do this to me, I have no idea what I did. Now, let me just say Maybe the reason I never know, maybe I, I don't know what I did is because I am so narcissistic and I am so clueless. I, I'll just give it to you. I'm such a narcissist. I'm so clueless that I can't even imagine I did anything wrong. But let me tell you something. Even if that's true, people still should come to me. You know why? Because it's the right thing to do. 
It's just the right thing to do. Before you go spouting off your mouth to everybody and doing all these other things, you ought to come to the one who wronged you. And people don't want to do this. I don't think I'm intimidating. I don't think I'm scary. I don't think I snap at people when they... I, I don't think I do. Maybe I do. But if I do, again, you need to do the right thing and come to me. You can't fix sin with more sin. I promise nothing will get better. And, and, and not to defend myself, but you know, maybe to explain myself, let me just share a little bit with you about some of the things you have to deal with as a pastor. First off, as a pastor, you know, we do a lot of times have to preach uncomfortable truths. And again, I don't want to offend people. I don't want to make people mad. I don't want to make people leave the church. But we often have to preach things knowing many, sometimes people are struggling with sins. We don't want to hurt people. We don't want to snipe people. But we have to preach the whole counsel of God. We have to do that. And sometimes it's awkward. And, you know, and we, do, we have to carry the burden of knowing the problems in many people's lives sometimes. And, a lot, and this is one thing I've learned too. Often when people come to you and they share and they tell you all these things that are going on in their lives, it's like after that they're scared of you because they fear that you're going to you know, use those things against them. And folks, that would be wicked if I did something like that. And, and people do. Sometimes they have to unload and share. And, and that, when that happens, I, I, that's happened many times where people come to me, I had no idea, they just shared all this stuff and I'm like blown away by it. And then it's like after that, their attitude changes towards me. A lot of times because it's like they feel like my attitude's changed towards them. And they're afraid I'm probably telling people in the church and it's like the secret's out. I would never do something like that. I, it does not make my job any easier if everybody in the church knows everybody's problems and are all hating on each other. Do you all understand that? Hey, I want my job to be as easy as possible. And my job doesn't get easier by sharing your dirty laundry with everybody in the church. By getting you all not liking each other. And you know what? You shouldn't have to fear that kind of thing. And I'm telling you, you don't have to fear that kind of thing. I don't, and, and when I hear about things that are unpleasant, I don't want to talk about it. Hey, you ask my wife sometimes. I'll have these long phone conversations and things. And then, what was that all about? You know, that's what women do. What's that all about? Nothing. And, you know, and, and, you know, and she, she knows now, you know, we've been married long enough. She, know, she gets the hint pretty easy now when it's just like, listen, I'm not repeating the conversation. And she's not just not even just because she doesn't need to know and she doesn't need to know, but because I don't want to talk about it. And let me tell you, if I don't even want to talk about it to my wife, why would I want to talk about it with anybody else in this church? I, I, I don't want to do that. But unfortunately, if people don't get things in their head and I, I've had I've had people change towards me so bad after, you know, they they tell me things and it's like it, that shouldn't happen. And so, again, when, when this kind of thing starts going on, you know, people, uh, they, they get the wrong idea. But, folks, that's, that's not how my brain works. That's not how I think. It's not how I act. We, do, we have to carry these burdens. And, and as a pastor, you're leading a congregation full of people who all have opinions. And you naturally want everybody to be happy. But you have to learn how to just make decisions on what you think is best and keep moving forward not thinking about who disagreed with you. 
Sometimes I preach things and I know there's one person in the church, they're going to love this sermon. Because, you know, we talk about biblical things. I know where you all stand on things. But then sometimes I know this other person's not going to like it that much. And it's just, you know, it's weird. I'll be up here sometime and it's like you got one person in the crowd just, yeah, you know, and, it, and then you got that other person in the crowd just. And, you know, and it kind of stinks. And it's, it's, it's just amazing how you can just get up and you can preach a sermon and just be the most wonderful pastor in the world to one person and the worst pastor in the world to somebody else. And it just stinks. And so, you know, when you have to deal with these kind of things, you just kind of have to learn to become numb to what everyone thinks. It's, it's not that I don't care. It's not that I don't love everyone. But if I try to operate and just, I'm just trying to make everyone happy all the time, it's going to break me. I'm not going to be able to function. I'm not going to succeed as a pastor. You can't make everyone happy. You can't, you can't do it. And, and so at the end of the day, when you do some of this for a while, you can, you can kind of start to become a little clueless. You, it, out of necessity. It's a survival mechanism. So guess what? Folks, I'm just telling you, I can be a little clueless about your feelings sometimes. And so you all, just so you know, maybe another pastor you know, he was sensitive to everything and he always knew your feelings. I am not that guy. If I wrong you, there is a good chance I won't even realize it. You are going to have to tell me. And you're going to have to make it good to get my attention. You're going to have to start the conversation. Pastor Tommy, I need to talk to you. I am greatly offended. And I need this to be made right. That's not comfortable. That's what you're going to have to do. Do you, do you really want to get the relationship right? Or are you looking for an excuse to throw me under the bus? Are you looking for an excuse to hate on me? And that's where a lot of people are at too. Sometimes people get out of sorts with pastor for whatever reason and they're looking for a reason to make him a villain because they know what they're doing is wrong. And so the th truth is, if you really are in the right, if you really do care about me, you'll do what's necessary and you will. You'll make that uncomfortable phone call. You'll, co you'll confront me and you say, I am offended, I am hurt, I need this to be made right. And then we're going to have a conversation. I'm probably going to still be a little clueless. I'm probably going to think, man, that wasn't even really that big of a deal. You know, I, I'm pretty sure I didn't cut in front of you. I think I was just faster, you know, in line or whatever, you know, whatever it is. I mean, maybe it was something worse. And I'm telling you, I might not think it was that big of a deal. And you're going to have to let me know, Pastor, this was a really big deal. I'm not satisfied with what you told me. I'm about ready to go get two or three witnesses. And you're allowed to do that. And you know what? I'm not going to want you to do that. So you know what? Then I'm probably going to make it, I'm try to figure out how to make way to make it right. And if I'm like, man, this is getting stupid, you know, then that's where we might get the two or three witnesses. But either way, you've got to do that. And so, you know, having said all this, you've got to understand that if I offend you, all of those tactics that I mentioned that people use, it will accomplish nothing. You've, you have to make a point to get with me face to face and please do it before you leave a trail of destruction. That's not fair. It's not fair for you to come to me about some little thing. And if, if and maybe that little thing was a big deal to you, but you know, this little thing, this one thing happened to you, and then you do all these greater sins, and then it, it, it almost feels foolish even talking about this at this point. So you've got to do the right thing. And a lot of pastors like that. We're clueless. 
numb to people's feelings, but I'm telling you, if we're too sensitive, it will break us. We will be done. I've been pastoring here for almost 12 years, and I, if I was super sensitive to everyone's feelings, I'd have quit a long time ago. I couldn't have handled it. Well, you should be a better, well, you, know, you know, you're not a very good pastor. You need to be able to handle these things. Well, hey, why don't you just find somebody to ordain your wonderful perfectness, and then you take over the church. I'd love to be a member of a church that had a pastor as perfect as you. But no, it, you all know this. I don't think this is ridiculous. So back to Matthew 18. So when you start this process, you need, now if you need to go to the two or three witnesses, here's what you ought to understand about that. You need to be willing to follow the recommendations and submit to the recommendations of those two or three witnesses. If they tell you, hey, you're overreacting, this is stupid, you ought to just forget about it, then you know what you should do? You should forget about it. You don't get two or three witnesses, I don't like what they said. No. You ought to have the character to say, you know what, I'm upset, I'm emotional right now. No, you go get the two or three witnesses. You don't just go get your two or three buddies. You know, you go, you go get two or three people that you believe will be impartial. And if they're telling you, this is stupid, I, I, you know, I think it'll do a lot more damage to the church than it's worth. I mean, I mean, yeah, all that lady did was she brought, you know, the dessert that you typically bring to fellowship. You know, that was kind of rude. Yeah, she probably was trying to outdo you because she thought she could make it better. That's unsensitive. But you know what? I don't think we ought to bring this before the church. And I have had people many times who have come to me with things that were so pathetic, they were so small, they were so petty. It's like there is no way I am going to make a big dramatic deal about this. It'll just do a lot of damage. They did nothing wrong. They did absolutely nothing wrong. And, and, but yet, you know, people, it's like they, they want to cause problems. They want to cause drama and all these kind of things. And so again, if you get those two or three witnesses, you better do what they tell you to do. Don't go looking for two or three witnesses who agree with you. The two or three people in the church that are always mad about everything, that are always gossiping about everything. You know, you, you should pray about it ahead of time. Decide on those two or three that you believe would be impartial and submit to you, submit to them if they tell you to drop it. If they're like, you know what, just drop it. This is stupid. Just drop it. Then you ought to drop it. But if they're like, yeah, you know what, I think this is important, then you can go with them to whoever, or even to, to me as the pastor. And then, you know, by, listen, if you do that, by then we'll, you'll have my attention. Okay? I might be clueless, but you get two or three witnesses together to come confront me. And, and again, and I can tell too, you got two or three impartial witnesses, not the same two or three people that are involved in every bit of drama in the church. Every time something happens, you lose credibility when you do that kind of thing. You lose credibility when you do that kind of thing. There's just some people you can always count on being in the middle of every little thing. And so if that's the ones you decide to go to, that, that tells me something about your character right there. And we all know who they, they are in those situations. Now, you get two or three impartial witnesses. And they said if they, if they say to proceed, then, you know, they can decide to, especially if it's me as a pastor. If it's just like, hey, they're right, Pastor, you are wrong. You need to get this right. If I'm like, I'm not getting that right. That's when you bring it before the church or somebody else. But things rarely get to that point. So that's the worst case scenario. And so, Because again, the typical things we get offended by are not worth taking before a church. Some things are so petty 
we would just be bringing things before an entire congregation, causing everyone to get involved in a, just a petty spat that would create an unnecessary burden. And we, there's some things we should just never bring before the church. Okay, and if it was, if it's a sin that is really big, something would get, should get somebody thrown out of church. That's a different, that's a different scenario. But again, you know, you know what most pastors will tell you. I've had many pastors talk about this. Many pastors will tell you this. Most church splits have nothing to do with doctrine. Now it happens. There are church splits because of doctrine. There are good church splits because of doctrine. There's bad church splits because of doctrine. But most church splits have nothing to do with doctrine. It's usually feelings. That's usually what it is, feelings. It, it's not even usually against like real legitimate sin. Like there was some kind of major sin that took place in the church. You know, typically, whenever there is something really serious that happens in a church, there's a major sin. You know what I've noticed? Typically, in real scenarios of challenges and difficulties, churches thrive during those times because they go to the Lord. They depend on the Lord during those real difficult situations. But during the petty things, it's like we know not to go to the Lord with it. It's like we know better than to go to the Lord with some of the petty spats that we have. But when it comes to a real legitimate situation, that's the first thing we do is we go to the Lord. We pray about it like crazy. And churches do fine. I've had many pastors tell me that they have had major areas where there's, there were sins, church discipline. I've even seen it before where the pastor has committed adultery and done some terrible sin and it didn't split the church. You know why? Because the church dealt with it properly and they got real dependent on the Lord. But then, somebody gets their feelings hurt and then everything gets torn apart. Why? Nobody, God's not involved in those situations. And so, uh, the, the, the typical things are not worth bringing up. So another thing, when you need to confront someone because of sin, here's another thing. Boy, this is important. You must do it quickly. The longer you wait, the more unlikely it is that anything will ever be reconciled. Now, I'm not going to be, get up here and like create a statute of limitations when it comes to offenses, okay? Because I don't know what it would be and it would be different for every scenario. But just like in our legal system, we have a statute of limitations. And we should have that for some things because the longer time passes the more difficult it is for the authorities to actually get to the bottom of what actually happened. And it's very important if we're going to punish somebody for a crime, it's important that they actually did it. And again, the, you know, these women who are coming out 20, 30, 40 years later, uh, this person you know, inappropriately touched me. You know, hey, that's terrible, but man, you should have said something a long time ago. You know, if you ask me, Eva Longoria, she needs to do a report like now, this week, against Joe Biden groping her the other day. I don't know if you saw that, but, you know, uh, Joe just can't keep his hands off the ladies. And, uh, but, you know, she'll probably, you know, well, 30, 30 years from now, he'll be turned to dust by that point. But he's, but he's so, but typically, you see how they, they wait. And that's, that's not fair. That's not fair to the legal system. It's not fair to the justice system. If some guy did something to a woman 30, 40 years ago, I hope he gets hung. For it. But you know what? I hope you're able to prove it. And let me tell you. Well, turn over to Matthew 5.21. It says, You have heard that it was said of, said of them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. 
Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, then come off for thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly, while thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge. That's going to escalate. Agree quickly. Settle this conflict quickly. Otherwise, he's going to deliver you to the judge. Escalation. And then the judge is going to deliver you to the officer. And thou will be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. The more time passes, the more things escalate. And understand, the more time passes, the more likely it will be that the offender, the one who sinned, will not remember the details. Here's another thing too. The more time passes, the more upset you will make yourself and you will probably turn something into a bigger deal than it was. Has anybody ever noticed how stories often improve over time? That's just kind of how it is. You know, the more time passes, the more unfair it is to ask authorities to get to the bottom of what happened. It's not fair. The more time passes, the more petty you're going to make yourself look when you decide to deal with it, causing people to probably not take you serious. Pastor Tommy, you remember what you said to me five years ago right after church? No. (laughs) I sure do. I've thought about it every night for the last five years. Well, I forgot about it five minutes after I said it, probably. You know, that's not fair. And, And you mean to tell me you've been stewing about this for five years and I had no idea there was even a problem between us? And I thought we were great. Are you sure? I'm starting to think. You're fake. I didn't even know anything was wrong. And that's happened to me many times where I had no idea there was even a problem and then you just find out you're the worst person in the world. And it's just like, okay, and who thinks they're the worst person in the world? I'm sorry, I don't see myself as a villain. Again, maybe I'm just so narcissistic and I'm just so full of myself that I just can't possibly see myself as a villain. But most of us don't naturally see ourselves as a villain. Even the villain usually sees themselves as a good guy and they're, you know, just in what they're doing. But, but, but either way, we don't typically see ourselves as the villain. But when you thought somebody was your friend, when you thought somebody was okay with you and happy with you and acted happy with you or getting along with you, and then you, you find out they think you are the worst thing since Judas Iscariot, you're just like, I'm having a tough time seeing myself as a villain. Maybe I'm so narcissistic, but you're for sure have been fake for a long time. I think you're the villain. Uh, you know, that, that's how it's going to go. So you can't do that. The more time passes, the more likely you will be to fall into the temptation of becoming a tailbearer of the situation. You're, you're probably not going to be able to sit on that forever. You're not going to be able to. And, then, you know, and you're, you're going to end up saying something. Now, again, doing a greater sin, gossiping, spreading it, causing problems for other people. And so if you come to me or if you come to someone else about an offense from over a year ago, just understand that is completely unfair. They probably forgot the details because we all say things without thinking about it. We all do that. And And therefore, it is easy to forget our own quotes. But you've relived the quote every day for the last year. You have expressed it to people over and over again. The quote has gotten better as you have expressed it. And so, you know, when you do finally confront them a year later, you're at a great greater advantage. You know all the details where they've forgotten them. And again, details often improve over time, so it's still not fair. It's just not fair. 
And so when it comes to everything we talked about, there is another solution that we often don't bring up that is also biblical. And you know what? Again, listen. If you can't let it go, if you have to have this made right, you are not wrong. You are not sinning in trying to get it right, made right, as long as you follow the process that Jesus gave. Y'all understand that? You are never, you are never in sin when you go to the person who wronged you. You are not in sin if they will not hear you to get the two or three witnesses. You are not in sin when you do that, even if it's small. If it's that important to you, you need it to be made right, you're not sinning. We should not condemn you for it. Uh, you, you have every right to do that based on the words of Jesus Christ Himself. But there is another solution that you are also allowed to do, and that is you can just let it go. You can let it go. Hebrews 12.1, some things just aren't worth getting right. Some things aren't worth going to court over. That, I live by that, just doing everything I can to stay out of court. I, I hate our legal system. I don't trust it. I don't trust lawyers. And I'm not, Sometimes you have to. Sometimes there's nothing you can do. Sometimes it's absolutely necessary. But I think it ought to be the goal of every one of us to do everything we can to never go into a courtroom for anything. I, just, I think they're terrible places. And again, you might see me go to court someday because I have to. But it's a scary situation, and, you're, and mo- usually everyone loses except the lawyers. They're, they're the ones that win. Hebrews 12, one, seeing, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the weight that is set before us. A weight, it's a burden. It's a hindrance. And sometimes we just got to lay those things down. But let me tell you, what most people are doing, they remember every little wrong. And it's, you know, imagine if, imagine if we, had, we had a bucket and, you know, and, the, and a small rock or a piece of gravel. That, like, represented an offense. That's not a big deal. You know, you can throw a pebble at me. It's not really going to hurt me that bad. But if I'm just saving every little offense and I'm putting it in a bucket, pretty soon that bucket's going to get pretty heavy to carry around, isn't it? Pretty soon that bucket is going to become a hindrance to my Christian life. It's not like a great big stone, one of the real big offenses. You throw a big stone at me, that's going to hurt. That's going to leave a bruise. That's going to do some damage. That might knock me out. That could, even, that could potentially kill me. But did you know, some people, they've never had a big stone thrown at them, but they have saved every little stone. They're saving it. Everybody's done something to them. They've carried it around. And it's a weight and it's a hindrance. While that person who had the real offense done to them, you know what they've learned to do? They've just learned to cast that rock aside and just move on and heal. And they're doing fine. But you got people just carrying around everything that's been done to them Sometimes it's okay to just forgive. We're allowed to do that. And again, 90% of the offenses are really small things. But Luke 17.1, then said he unto his disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. Listen, just because offenses are going to come, just understand, you know, when you offend, it is a great sin. And we ought to do everything we can to try to avoid offending people. And if we find out we offended somebody, we ought to do what we can to make it right. We, ought, we need to take it seriously. Okay? It says, take heed to yourselves that thy brother trespass against thee. Rebuke him. Rebuke him. Don't tell everybody else. Rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And understand too, if he doesn't repent, that makes it really difficult. 
But if he trespass against thee seven times a day, and seven times a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. So what if he doesn't repent? And listen, nobody can make this decision for you. Nobody can make this decision for you. If he doesn't repent, you have the right to get the witnesses. You have the right, if they won't hear, if, if the witnesses agree, and if he won't hear them, to bring them before the church. You have the right to do that. But you know what else you can do? Here's, here's another sol- possible solution. I'm not going to demand you do this. I don't have the right to demand you do this. Especially if you sinned against me and I don't have the right to demand you, you do this. But do you know what else you're allowed to do? Turn the other cheek. You can do that. And so I, I don't want to do that. Remember that parable of the man who was forgiven a great debt? Remember what Paul said? I don't, I don't have the Scripture in front of me. But he talked about how he mentioned an individual, if he owes you anything, he's like, I'll pay it. Put it on my account. But then he reminded him, but remember, you actually owe me. You know what I think he was doing? Saying, I will pay that guy's debt that he owes you. But you know what he was basically saying? I think you should probably let it go. And God, who has forgiven us a great debt, He will allow us to go through this process and make everything right. But you know, I think if we ask God, Lord, what do you want me to do? I think most of the time he'd probably say, you know, I just, I just forget about it. But listen, if you can't, if you can't, if you can't forget about it, don't go sinning more. Don't go sinning more. Follow this process. Most people don't do that. They don't go, try to make it right. They don't go to the witnesses. They don't go to the person. They, they gossip. They go for revenge. They commit greater sins and it's, it's wicked. Matthew 5.38 You have heard that it has been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. 1 Corinthians 6.5 I speak to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you? No, not that shall be able to judge between him and his brethren. But brother goeth to law with brother and that before unbelievers. Now therefore there is utterly a fault among you because you go to law one with another. Why do you not rather take the wrong? There's some things worse than you getting things made right in the bad way. Here, he's calling them out for going to law for unbelievers. He's like, hey, you'd be better off taking the wrong. You know why? Because they were committing a greater sin by doing that, by doing that kind of thing. And understand, but you know, you've been wronged. But you don't go do something worse. You don't go do some other sin. He said you'd be better off taking the wrong. And he said, and he said, why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Just can't handle it. Why? Too much pride? Why? You don't have an example like Jesus Christ who had all kinds of wrong done to him? No, he says, nay, ye do wrong and defraud and that your brethren. You know, yeah, but they wronged me first. And he's calling them out for wronging them because what, what they were doing was worse. So again, we don't have to make everything right. You, you can. You're allowed to. But you have to follow the process. And yes, it's going to be strenuous. It's a lot easier to just gossip about somebody. It's a lot easier for you to just go home and do a vague Facebook post against me. All right? Maybe somebody you know, doesn't like the sermon tonight, but you, know, you go home and just you're making weird things. You know, sometimes people you respect say the most terrible things that hurt your feelings. And it's just like, oh, I, I don't think they, I wonder if they didn't like the sermon tonight. You know, you just, and, and listen, if you do that tonight, you know, you go sharing 
four other messages online about Matthew 18. These are the best sermons I've ever heard from Matthew 18. You know, people do stuff like that. You know, just understand (laughs) that's wrong. Okay, that's wrong. And if you think I'm going to be calling you up, hey, did I hurt you with that message? No, I'm not going to do that. Maybe I did. If, If I really offended you tonight, if I hurt you tonight, you know, you need to have the character to come to me and say, Pastor, that was out of line. That message was terrible. You were wrong. It was unbiblical. I'm not going to do that. Not responding to vague booking. You relay information, try to relay information to me through my wife or my daughters. I'm not calling you up. I'm not doing that thing. If all of a sudden you disappear next week, I'll let, you know, that'll show them. I'm just going to assume you were sick and you went on vacation or had something else to do. I, I, I can't live my life obsessing about what everyone's thinking. I can't do that. I'll break. I won't be able to make it. I won't survive as a pastor. I'll be done. So this is this is who I am. This is how I operate. You're gonna to have to be real blunt. You're gonna to have to be real clear, and you're just you're just gonna to have to lay it all out there. And so we can't keep. What the one thing you just can't do, you can't keep carrying around the offense. You have to actually give it to God. And you know, once we give these things to God, we can't try taking it back from Him. That's what, that's what we most of us try to do. If you can take it back from Him, the truth is it's because you never really gave it to Him. And writing every wrong done to you, it's a great burden. But good, you do have the right to try to get things made right, but you don't have the right to go around adding sin in the process. And what you should never ever do is carry those things around because it will eventually cause you to sin. It will hinder you in your Christian life, all of a sudden now, yeah, because somebody in the church offended you, I offended you, now you're not in church like you're supposed to be. Now you're not soul-winning like you're supposed to be. I mean, it's like affecting a lot of things because you got offended about something and you didn't even get it made right. And, and let me tell you, it never makes a person feel good. It, I'm just going to tell you right now, it hurts when you find out somebody has been mad at you for months and years over something you did. Because I don't want to make people mad at me. That is not going to give me a warm, fuzzy feeling. Okay? And listen, if you were mad at me from something I did four years ago, I hope you either come tell me about it this week or you just forget about it. Because I promise you, now, if you come to me tomorrow and you tell me I've been mad at you for four years about this, it will hurt my feelings. I promise, it will hurt my feelings. But if I did wrong, but let me tell you, don't wait till five years because then it will hurt my feelings even more. Y'all understand that? Do we, do we want to make things worse or do we want to make things better? Do you want to make things right or are you looking for a reason to make me a villain? And sometimes we need villains. And so, and, and, and I, I swear, and people do this, they try to provoke you. That's why they do those little things. They try to provoke you to get you to react, to get you to respond, to get you to do something because they need you to be a villain. And I just, I don't have time for those games. I don't have time for those games. I would rather go golfing. And I like golfing. I like golfing a lot. I haven't, but you know, do you know I've not golfed one time since I've been pastoring? Not one time. You know, because I've got more important work to do as a pastor and I've just not been able to make the time for it. But let me tell you, I will make time for golfing way before I'm going to make time for junk like that. And honestly, I would rather go to the dentist than play those kind of games. I would. I, I'd go to the. You know, but I, so 
I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to you know do what I need to do when things are made. You know when I do wrong. But anyway, I hope this will help. Again, I think I'm going to make this required listening for all new people that come to this church. You're just going to have to figure this out with me. This is the way. This is the way I operate. And you know what? I've at this point, I'm 42 years old. I've been pastor for almost 12 years. Do you really think you're going to change me at this point? We ain't changing. <laughs> there are, and let me just say this. Sometimes I want to change. But, you know, some things are hard to change. And when it comes to, when it comes to some of these things, I don't even think I need to. And so, even if I wanted to, it's not going to happen. We ain't changing, and I'll, I'll spare the scream. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's not going to happen. So, with that, let's pray to your Lord. I thank you so much for this church, and I thank you for everyone here. I pray, God, you'll help all of everyone here to take this to heart. I pray, Lord, for anyone listening to this, Lord, maybe in the future, uh, who might be a part of this church, that they will uh, remember these things and practice these things. And, Lord, I, I really do believe the message of Matthew 18 is it's just we probably shouldn't even really be worrying about most stuff that's done to us. And, Lord, so help us not to be so full of ourselves that we just... I uh, can't imagine a world where somebody would do something against us, but help us to just be forgiving and, and understanding, recognizing the fact that we've all done plenty of sin and we've contributed to a lot of the problems in the world ourselves, and help us just be uh, forgiving people like you and loving of other people. And if we do have to have something made right, help us to have the uh, character and integrity to follow the process outlined in your word. In your name you pray. Amen.